Thank you, Pastor Brent. <laughs> that was really a wonderful thing. I'm so grateful to know that my little brother loves me. Um, you know, you, you have to stay up to date with us. You have to be really diligent because we meet in a movie theater. <laughs> we don't really have a place to do baptism. I could hear the wheels turning and so, with some of you. What are they going to do? <laughs> They're going to bring a hot tub in? Uh, we did actually consider bringing like one of those blow-up hot tubs in here and doing the thing, and, but I don't, their insurance wouldn't allow for that, I don't think. So, um, so we, we're, we got a line on, a, on a, a church that has become friends with us, and we're going to go over and use their baptismal, I think, because uh, we can't do it in the lake because it's so cold. So you have to keep up with us. Because we're so new, all of our structures, all of our, uh, you know, it doesn't all happen neat and tidy like it does in a church that's been going for a while. So you really have to keep up with us on uh, both on uh, onechapel.com and, of course, blog.onechapel.com, as well as uh, Facebook and other places. So uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, follow One Chapel on Twitter. How many Twitter Twitterers do we have here? Tweeters? All three of you. Great. Okay. <laughs> If you want to join Twitter, I know it's like some of you are like, I don't want to get involved in all that stuff, but just join it for us because you can get updates from us like it's instantaneous. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Okay, so uh, you can do it for a year, and once we get established and we're going and everything's right, then you can give it up, all right? Um, and, and besides, tweeting is, can be fun. Okay. There's something I want to do before I get into the message, and uh, real quickly, uh, you know, it's important for me as we build and grow one chapel, as we establish who we are, that we allow um, different voices to speak into our development. Last week, we heard from a missionary from Mexico, totally different perspective and style than we typically have here uh, at One Chapel. But I think there's something really healthy about us being able to listen to a message from another perspective or another sort of part of the body of Christ that doesn't function exactly like we do. And when we hear that message and when we can be challenged, sometimes it ruffles some feathers. I've had my feathers ruffled more than once in a church service. And there's something really good about it because what happens is we have, to, we have to sort of evaluate, we have to dissect the message, we have to take the good and spit out the bones, and that actually makes us really strong. And so it's important for me to have other voices speak into us. And, and, and Britt and I were wrestling through, okay, so what, what, what can we do to challenge the church? And I really believe that this is a great idea. I want to present this to you, that this is the For the One Challenge. Everybody say it, for the one challenge. Luke 15, Jesus tells three stories. He tells a story about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost young man. The lost sheep, he says, the shepherd leaves the 99 and go look, goes and looks for the one. And all of heaven rejoices more when that one comes home than the 99 who stayed. And so I want to encourage you this year to bring one person to Christ. One person, you personally, that we will use all of our energy and effort as one chapel to take on the personal responsibility. Everybody say personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. I want to take on the personal responsibility. It's not the pastor's job to get people saved. 
or rescued from darkness. It is all of our responsibility. So I want you to take that seriously, and I want you to hear that message. For the One Challenge is what we're going to do all year long, 2011. I want you to bring one person to Christ and begin to disciple them. Most of you in this room are mature enough to be able to do that, and I want to challenge you to do it. Embrace it, and let's run with it, okay? Because it's going to be a process, and you'll need encouragement along the way. And so this week, I was talking to uh, one of our members. I was actually talking to Casey Gaylor. He's married to Angie. They're a young couple in our church, and really a wonderful couple that's helped us launch, and we're part of the launch team, and I really appreciate them. And so Casey had an experience this week sharing Christ with somebody, and so I just want you to hear it, and I just want him to tell a story. It's another voice coming to the table and telling a bit of a story. So everybody welcome Casey Gaylor. Now you're on. Is that better? Good morning, One Chapel. Uh, this is a story really of just uh, God answering a prayer and uh, allowing a conversation to open up uh, about him. Thursday morning, uh, as I always do, drived into the office and uh, just wanted to have a little bit of quiet time to, to start my day. So as I pulled in to the parking lot, I just asked God to just use me uh, in whatever way possible um, that day. And as I prayed through the day, one of the meetings that I had that morning was with a, uh, a woman that has been a client of mine for, for three years. And outside of our business relationship and, and me helping her with certain things and, and, and investments and finances and stuff, we hadn't really connected on, on anything really strongly on a personal level. So as all of us do in January, I asked, how was your Christmas? How was your New Year's? And I can kind of tell that she was a little disappointed. So we talked through that and she had mentioned that her son was unable to be with her for as long as she had hoped, and he was heading back home. So I asked, well, well, where is home for him? She said, Brooklyn. And Angie and I just uh, happened to have some very good friends of ours that moved to Brooklyn right after the first of the year. So I was sharing that with her, and she asked, well, where were they moving from? I said, Orlando. And she kind of said, Orlando, you know, Orlando to New York City, especially this time of year. She said, well, what are they doing? I said, well, they actually happened to be on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ. I went on to explain to her that uh, over 10% of the college population is located on Manhattan. And it occurred to me that there was a connection possibility there. And it was the fact that Mike and Sarah had gone last year to New York and spent some time uh, doing an interactive art project. And as I was starting to explain this to her, I was explaining that Angie and I had hoped to go last summer to, to be a part of it because Angie's an artist, but that it just didn't work out. And she said, well, you, you never told me that. What kind, of, what kind of things does Angie do? And I said, well, she does graphic design and, and painting. And she said, well, what, what kind of paintings? And she's an art teacher, right? She's an art teacher, yeah. Hey, give me my microphone back, <laughs> yeah. I get to talk all the time, no she, matter what. <laughs> Okay, good. All right. She, she's, so, she's actually uh, um, a, a, a director. So get the story. She's an art director, and she's really yeah, interested in the She art does thing. a lot of stuff in the film industry. And she said, well, you know, you've never mentioned that Angie is an artist. What, where does she get her inspiration from for her paintings? I said, well, she gets them from scripture. 
Okay, now stop right here. This is such a great little moment because he could have said any number of things there. Sorry, that's a sermon so, thing. That's yeah, occupational hazard. I like sermons. So he's, he could have said any number of things. Oh, she gets it from nature. She gets it from, you know, just anything that happens. Or she, he could have included scripture in a thing, but he, he was listening. He was ready. And he said, she said, where does, where do they get, does she get her inspiration? From scripture. Okay, tell the story. So uh, I just explained to her uh, two of the paintings that Angie just finished. And one was on Matthew 6, talking about the birds of the air and that God loves them. He provides for them but that he loves us so much more. And I could tell her, you know, I could tell that she was starting to, well, I've, I've, you know, she shared, I've never really heard anything like that before. Is that and, shocking? <laughs> I've never heard that God loves me more than the stuff. Yeah. Okay. And the, the you can keep interrupting me. Sorry, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, We're a pretty good team. <laughs> and I told her that the other painting that she just finished was on Psalms and that it was talking about how God twists the oak trees. And so we got back onto the topic of what Mike and Sarah were doing in, in New York and how they were reaching out and how Mike is doing counseling for people and, and Sarah is doing a lot of public speaking. And we got back to the fact of this, this art project that they did. It was an interactive art project in Manhattan where they renovated an entire floor of a skyscraper with different rooms about scripture. And it just happened to be that Mike and Sarah were focusing on the room on forgiveness. And what they did as a project is they took all these white tags, all the students did, and they wrote sins and problems and uh, addictions that Christ had taken care of and that they were forgiven for. And in the middle of sharing this, she just, she stopped me and said, what, what, wait, no, what, who was forgiving them? And so it just opened up an opportunity to, to, to share with her uh, who Jesus was. And uh, as I shared with the first service, there wasn't any miraculous conversion uh, at all, but we have open doors now of further conversation, and we have further doors of inviting her to things. Here in Austin, there are things that are infusing art in, in, in Jesus, and we have the ability to, uh, to invite those to her, and I mentioned those to her, and she said, well, you definitely make sure that I'm invited. I want to come, and I want to partake in them. That's so awesome. I just want to challenge all of you that as, as you go forward in this week, just be open to what God is, is, is opening doors for you and just have the courage to walk through those doors. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Casey. Appreciate that. This is an amazing thing. Kate, uh, they, the Bible says some plant, some water, but it is God who gives the increase. The, 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 the heavens may not open when you share the gospel, but you're planting a seed that you have no idea of who else is going to water. And so I want you to be open. I want you to be challenged. I want you to go for it. All right? Turn to your neighbor and say, go for it. That was lame. Say, go for it. Yeah. All right. Come on. All right. Are you ready to study the scripture? Thank you, Casey. That was such a great thing. Casey and Angie are actually just a little thing here. They're trying to adopt a little baby from Ethiopia right now. And uh, that they're in the middle of the process and working through it. It's a very long process, so you can pray for them. I really appreciate their participation at One Chapel. So let's, let's turn to the scriptures. Matthew chapter 4. Everybody turn there. Matthew chapter 4. We don't have a, a ton of time here uh, now, but we will study the scriptures a little bit. 
Casey, that means we're going to jump around again. So let's start in chapter 4 of Matthew, and let's read. Let's read this story of Jesus. Um, as you know, we're in a series called Hungry. Some of you have been fasting. You were fasting for 21 days. That means we're going without certain foods or food altogether. And, and uh, this has been a rough week for many who gave up coffee dragging around, not realizing how addicted you were to coffee. And so, um, so it's good for you. It's, it's something good. We're, what we're doing is we're saying no to physical food so that we can crave spiritual food. I want to cra crave the things that God has for me, don't you? I want that to be what drives me, what consumes me. I want to become the person that consumed with what God's desires are for me. And so what fasting does is it, is it says no to our flesh and yes to God's spirit within us for a season, a time period, and it gives space. It, it causes us to create space for him. When you're really hungry at noontime and you really want to just run down the street and go get a Whataburger. Maybe not a Whataburger. Maybe a what a chicken. No, that's really what they're called. They're called what a chickens. It's really weird. Yeah, it's, that's their chicken sandwich. It's super good. Anyway, so, so you, you're so tempted. You want to go get a what a chicken sandwich. And you, have not, you, you, you know you're not going to. So what else are you going to do? You got a headache. You need a coffee. Go out to your car and pray. Go out to your car and turn on the worship music from work and come join us at noon every day, every weekday. We're at the office praying from noon to one, mostly because that is the time of great temptation. And uh, you can just come and you can pray with us and we'll just, it's just an hour of just getting together and spending time cultivating spiritual hunger for God. That's what we're doing, okay? So he can speak to us. He can direct us. It's kind of a first fruits. Beginning of the year, we're giving the first part of the year to him. Amen? Okay, so uh, Matthew chapter 4. Let's read it. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Well, yeah. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is the first temptation. There's three of them. Jesus is fasting for 40 days. The title of this message is stones or bread. Stones or bread? What do you want to fill your life with? The answer might surprise you. What we, do, what we, what we have to do in this passage is we have to kind of back up and look at what, Je what happened to Jesus that led him to this moment. Let's back up in Matthew and just look at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? John was like, this is backwards, Jesus. This doesn't this isn't work. You should be baptizing me. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus was into doing things well, doing it right. He wanted to make sure he was fulfilling everything that needed to be done the way the Father had directed him 
And so then John consented, the scripture says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is the moment of the launch of Jesus's ministry. He's 30 years old. He comes to be baptized. John is proclaiming, he's preparing the way. And Jesus comes to him and is baptized and the sky opens up to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, the scripture says. And a voice comes from heaven and says, this is my son whom I love and him I am well pleased. This is the best thing that could happen to launch a worldwide ministry. People seeing something really incredible, Jesus having the confirmation of his father, being filled with faith and purpose, ready to go, ready to make whatever, G whatever his father wanted him to do, ready to go for it and do the works that he'd prepared for him. But no, what happens is, notice verse one of chapter four. You know, in the original writings, there is no chapter divisions. The story just continues. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Now, if you unpack that verse, that really is bothersome to some people. Because what it means is that the Holy Spirit led him into the desert, into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit led him into a season of desert, of difficulty of challenge. The Holy Spirit led him to a place where he was going to really have to face some difficult moments. And let me tell you this, church, if Jesus needed to go through this, so do you. And so you, there is, there is uh, some, something in us that sort of doesn't like the fact that, that uh, God would sort of lead us into some difficulty or in some wilderness experience, but Jesus actually guarantees us that this life has trouble, that we will, that we will experience trouble. What does he say? John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace, and in, in this world you will have trouble, he says. It's a guarantee. Take that to the bank. <laughs> Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but notice what he says here, but take heart. <gasps> Hope is not lost. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Because I have overcome the world, you will overcome. And so he puts everything that he has inside of us. But listen, just because we don't like the idea of God leading us into the wilderness doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. In fact, your experience tells you it's true. There is a process by which we grow, we are challenged. God will not always keep us from difficult situations. Sometimes he actually leads us to them. First Peter 4, look what, look what Peter says. Look what Peter says. Peter says in verse uh, 12 and 13, we'll just read two verses. 12 and 13, <clears throat> friends, when life gets really difficult, this is in the, from the Message Bible. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. <laughs> this is what Christians do, so many of us. Our faith is so weak, so small. We face the struggle, and all of a sudden, the first person we blame is God. He's with us 
don't, be, don't come to the conclusion, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. We're supposed to see ourselves as going through what Christ did. This is a spiritual refining process. I want you to take your pen right there, and if you, if you have a Bible, I want you to underline that little verse, that 13, verse 13. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Spiritual refining process. I want you to see those words. We often are going through processes and events, circumstances in our lives. And not all of them God causes. You do understand that this is earth and not heaven. Heaven is where God's will is perfectly accomplished. That's why he told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. We pray for it because it's not always done. But you can be sure that God is interested in using whatever circumstances, whatever challenges you're facing, whatever's going on in your life, he wants to use it as a spiritual refining process. He wants to grow you. He wants to encourage you. So here we see Jesus going through this process. And Jesus, the first temptation is the test of provision. The test of provision. This is the same test that we are often faced with in our lives. Will God provide for my needs? Will he actually provide or am I going to go without? This is a difficult question because as Americans... We don't often know what it is to be in need. We, we, we have a lot of knowing what it is to want stuff. It's difficult for us sometimes. And, and, I mean, and, and there are, I'm sure there are many things that you have gone without. But there is something here about God's provision that the Father wants to emphasize, I think, through Jesus' experience of He's fasting for 40 days, okay? Notice the Holy Spirit leads him into the desert, into the wilderness. But then it is not God that tempts him with evil. That's always the devil's job. Here's what happens to you and to me, just like Jesus. We go into the desert. We go into the wilderness. We go into the struggle. And it may even be that God has allowed us to push through that struggle. James, the book of James, we don't have time to read it this morning, but the book of James says that God does not tempt anyone with evil. He is not, that's not his business. That's the business of the accuser of the brethren. And this is the enemy's schemes. He will always try to capitalize on your moment in the wilderness. He will always try to capitalize on it and unnerve you. He will always challenge you in the midst of it. That's what he does to Jesus. So the first temptation is really about Jesus' hunger, but it's even more than that. Jesus responds to the temptation by saying what? He says, it is written. Underline those three words in your Bible. You need to remember that the scriptures are your solution. They are your answer. They are your comfort. When you're going through the difficulty, that's your go-to thing. You got to go to the scriptures. You got to let them undergird you and encourage you. Lots of Christians, that's the first thing they don't want to do. They get mad at God. I'm not reading the Bible then. It's the very thing that you need. It's the very thing that you need to eat. 
So he says, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. Deuteronomy 8, 3. And so you can see, we're not going to turn there right now, but Deuteronomy 8, 3, you can see he's quoting this passage that's being communicated to the Israelites. The Israelites experienced what in the wilderness? They were in the wilderness being led, fire of cloud by day, sorry, cloud of cloud by day, fire by night. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> wow, that was really difficult to get there. So they're being led in, around in the wilderness, and what does God provide for them? Manna. God actually provides something out of nothing, because the word manna means, it means what is it? The word manna actually means what is it? Because God provided something for them, and so as it's provided for them. This is a reference to that, that God is the one who provides sustenance and nourishment and provision for every one of us. And so it's not just about the physical hunger that Jesus had to eat bread. It's about following God's direction. It's about provision from God rather than provision from himself. Because here's the temptation. Could Jesus have turned the stones into bread? Sure he could have. If he couldn't have, it wouldn't be a temptation. He could have done it. He had the power, fully divine, fully human, experiencing both hunger and the power to change it in an instant. So the devil looks at him and says, here's, here's a rock. Prove that you are who you say you are. Boy, that is, the, that is the temptation of the enemy. He'll come to you and he'll say, oh, you, th you think you got it all together with God? He wouldn't let you go through this. He'll, 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 he'll knock you out trying to, trying to convince you that God's not with you, that somehow you have to sort of prove something. There's a reason we call it faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But the temptation is, is that Jesus will turn the stone, this stone right here, you can see it, it's hard, it's cold, it's nasty, he's been living among the stones for 40 days, he's hungry, and the devil's temptation is just turn it into bread. Oh, oh yeah, that's good bread. That bread is fresh baked this morning, and you can see it, and Jesus could have just instantaneously done it. He could have, he could have made the, the stone into bread and just satisfied his own hunger. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because Jesus, later on in his ministry, okay, this is the beginning of his ministry, but later on, guess what he does? He refers to himself as what? The bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the living bread that comes from heaven. Jesus, now go with me, Jesus was going to be the provision for the Jewish people and the Gentiles, all of mankind. He was trying to convince them that he was God's provision for them. So he is the bread of life that comes down from heaven. But in this instance, it is refusing this bread, this physical bread, and relying on the provision of God, relying on his father's provision for him, 
the word that God gave to him, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. It is Jesus' reliance on God's words that feeds him. Do you remember our scripture that we've been studying? John 4, John 4, verse 32, it says, I have food to eat. This is Jesus. He says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then he says in verse 34 of John 4, he says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You know where he learned that? Do you know where he learned that verse? Right here. Right here at this temptation. Right here at this moment. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. To say no to, to, to my desires and my will. And if there's anybody who would have permission to do his own will, it would have been Jesus. He's the son of God for crying out loud. But no, he submitted himself to the Father's provision. He only did what his Father told him to do, the Scripture says. And so we, Jesus learned this, Jesus learned this right here in private. No one else was there. We must also pass the test privately before we can provide for others publicly. Jesus is passing the test right here. This temptation is a test for him. It is something that is happening privately. No one sees it. No one knows it's going on. And yet he is challenged to rely on God versus his own ability to make something happen. Can you see any familiarity with the way that we function? The temptation to make something happen ourselves versus surrender, versus submission, versus trusting God wants our character built to match the anointing he's given us. God wants your character to match the gifts he's giving you. He's dispensing gifts to you. He wants you to speak to people about who he is, but he wants your character to match it, and that's the spiritual refining process. God is preparing you just like he was preparing Jesus. Jesus was being prepared with these 40 days of fasting. He was being prepared when he went through those temptations. He was being prepared when he chose the words of God rather than his ability to provide for himself. So Jesus really faced with the same challenge that we are. Here it is. Build your character or feed your flesh. Build your character Build the character with the stones that are around you, the difficult stones that you are coming into contact with, the difficulty of these stones, the hardness of them. We don't like it. We don't want these stones. And yet, God wants to use it. God wants to make you into something wonderful. But it requires a trust. It requires a leap. It requires faith rather than the feeding of what we want, the immediate gratification, if you will, can I just tell you, and I'm going to say this a couple more times in this series, but the whole Bible, in the whole Bible, in the whole, everything we're taught, everything that we're, we're trained in, there's really only one thing that has to do from God that has to do with immediate gratification. The process of, you know, spiritual maturity. There's only one thing that is immediate. You know what it is? It's forgiveness. Repentance and believing means forgiveness is immediate. The price has been paid. It's done. 
here's the, here's, here's the difficult part. Everything else <laughs> is process. Everything else has to do with delayed gratification. Everything else has to do with understanding that we are in the world, not of it. Everything else has to do with a process of, a, of a refinement and preparing, go with me, preparing for the renewal of all things in creation. God made, uh, created the world and it was lost in a sense to sinfulness. And now we fight, we struggle, the world groans, we groan. And yet there is uh, the kingdom of God that is coming, the establishment of all things, making all things new. God wants to make all things new in you. And, he, he, and at salvation, oh, he comes and he renews you and he, and he sends, um, makes old things new inside of your heart. But the process of learning how to build your character, the process of, of surrendering to him, process of spiritual growth and maturity is something that takes time and energy, intentional, intentionality, and it requires times like this, times in the desert, times in the wilderness. So you have a choice. You can choose the stones for building your character, or you can choose the bread for feeding your hunger. Abraham may be one of our best examples of this. If we just look at it, Abraham used some stones to build an altar, didn't he? Abraham built an altar because God asked him to give him his son Isaac. He put his son Isaac on an altar of stones, not knowing what would happen. He just knew that God had asked him for his son to sacrifice to him, and he was willing. He traveled for three days, the Bible says, and he's traveling with, he's got fire and he's got the wood. He comes, they're, they're, they're carrying the wood, they're carrying the fire, they're going. And Isaac looks at his dad, the Bible says, and says, Dad, we, we have the wood, we have the fire, but where is the sacrifice? Do you know what Abraham replied in Genesis 22? His, his, his response was, the Lord will provide. So he goes up there and Isaac lays down on this altar and you can only imagine the agony of Abraham as he lifts the knife, ready to plunge it into his son, ready to obey at all costs. And then the angel of the Lord, I remember it vividly in my little children's Bible, <laughs> comes and grabs a hold of his arm and calls out to him and says, Abraham, Abraham, don't do it. It was a turning point. It was a turning point. And the message right there in Genesis 22, if you read it, is Abraham was not withholding anything from God. He was willing to give him everything. And the message is, since you were willing to give me everything, since you have not withheld anything from me, I will not withhold anything from you. I'll make your descendants as many as the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea. I'm going to give you everything. God's looking for people like that who will be willing to trust him. Now here's, now here's why, last verse. Here's why, this is so important. This is a familiar passage. Some of you probably have it. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, but we have this treasure 
in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. See, we, we kind of want, we want to be a pretty pot. <laughs> but God puts all-surpassing power in ugly clay pots. And you know why he does that? Have you ever wondered? Wonder no more. It gives us the answer right here. He wants to demonstrate his own power, not yours. It's because here's the deal. Here's the issue with the stones and the bread. The issue is self-sufficiency, okay? Self-sufficiency, providing on your own, limits the results to what we can do and obtains the glory somehow for ourselves. But God wants to receive all the glory. He wants to demonstrate his power. He wants everybody to know that it ain't from you, which is why sometimes he leads you to the wilderness, which is why sometimes you have to go through the desert. Now you have to pass the temptation. You have to resist the devil. You have to know the scriptures. You have to get that inside of you. But you have to be willing to trust God for his provision and not try to make something happen on your own. Let's pray. Now, probably most of you in here, as I started speaking about these ideas, you have in your mind exactly, exactly what you're facing, your circumstances, the challenges that are in front of you, your wilderness, if you will. And you're not sure, just like the passages we've read, you, you may not be sure that God is really with you somehow. I want you to take a moment right now and whatever that issue is, whatever those circumstances are, whatever that challenge is, whatever you're in the middle of, I want you to choose today. I want you to choose to allow the Holy Spirit to build you, build your character, shape you, form you out of some stones, the, the hard, difficult stones. I want you to allow him to provide for you somehow, to, to, to choose to seek him in his word, to allow his words to fill you, rather than just trying to slug it out on your own. It's so hard to slug it out on your own. Respond to him this morning and choose the bread that only comes from heaven. It's not something you can make necessarily. It's reliance on God. I'm not arguing against hard work. I'm not arguing against good stewardship. You, you have to be a good steward of what God's given you. You have to work hard from time to time. All of us do have to work hard. But there is something that happens when you mix faith with your own hard work, when you trust, when you're willing to surrender to God in the process and let him refine you and let him make you into something more than you could be on your own. If you're facing something very difficult and you're there and you need Jesus to come and help you, you know exactly what that is. 
I want you just to raise your hand and say, I, I need Jesus to help me. I need to trust him. Come on, just, just between you and Jesus. Yep, hands up all over the place. It's good. Yeah, just keep it up for a second, just as a sign of surrender to him. Nobody looking around, just, just keeping our hands up and saying, God, you see us. You see us, you know us. You know what we're facing. Help us to trust you. All over this room, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be the kind of people that would experience the grace that Jesus had there in that 40 days of fasting, even in the midst of our own, some of our own fasting. Lord, would you help us to resist, resist our flesh and our weakness and choose the work that you're doing in us. Father, would you help each one of us to trust you, to learn through obedience, to learn through submitting, to learn through trusting that you are our provider. You are the one who will give us everything we need. We rely on you. We ask you to fill us. Fill us with the words of God. Fill us, feed us, feed this hunger with the words, the works that you have prepared for us. Thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you can put your hands down, I wanna ask one more question and I, I do this every Sunday because it's important to us. If you're here this morning and you haven't followed Jesus for a long time, Maybe you haven't given him your heart ever. Maybe, maybe you just um, are here because somebody brought you to church or maybe you came and uh, you're checking out the, the church of the movie theater. Maybe you just wandered in from another movie, which has happened several times. If you're here and you don't have Jesus in your life, Jesus is calling you. And while we've been talking and while the worship's been going, you've heard him speaking to you and you want to settle it. You want to give him your life once and for all. You want to just settle it and surrender to him and, and allow him to come into your life and to lead you and guide you. You want to give up your own plan and you want to surrender to his plan for your life. Is there anybody here who wants to commit their lives to Christ? Maybe, maybe it's the first time or maybe it's the first time in a long time and you're just coming back. I want you to just lift your hand. Don't be shy. Just say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I, I haven't followed you, and I'm ready to follow. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. Is there anybody in the room? Yep, I see you. Anybody else? Yep, I see you. That's good. Anybody else? Yep, over here. Don't resist. Yep, two or three more. That's good. Yep, I see you. You're ready to go. You're ready to follow him again. You're ready to give your life to him. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yep, right over here. I see you. It's good. That's so good, so, so good. Never wrestle with Jesus. It's much better when he wins. Put your hands down. Now we all say things that we don't mean way too often. I wanna lead you in a prayer. But it's not the words that really make the difference. It's the heart, it's believing and then speaking. So I wanna lead you in this prayer. I wanna give you some words to say. I want you to pray with me. Everybody in the room, pray after me. And let's make a confession. Let's make a declaration to follow Jesus all the rest of our life. Will you say it with me? Everybody say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his work. The provision of Jesus to wash my sins away, to wash away my failures, to cleanse me of my mistakes, to make me new again to make me a new person. I believe in Jesus. I want to follow him. Thank you, God, for providing for me. 
so I wouldn't have to pay the penalty for my own sin. I make you Lord of my life. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you would help every person who prayed that prayer and mixed it with faith. You would cause them to realize they can be born again, that they are indeed being born a second time, being made new. We thank you for that. We thank you for the miracle that hap is happening all over the room in people's hearts. I pray that you would seal it. I pray that you would, uh, you would con convince them by the Spirit of God that you're making them new. You're cleansing their conscience from every act that leads to death. Thank you for doing that. Now seal it, protect them, take them from this place, help them to tell somebody what happened to them, and help them to follow you all the days of their life. We thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's thank Jesus for what he's doing in people's lives. It's so good, so important to surrender. You guys okay back here? Everybody all right? Okay. Um, it's so important to surrender. It's so good what's happening in your heart. Uh, today we're going to do something else as a final act of worship that has to do with surrender. And it is to give of our tithes and our offerings. And so um, I want you to get ready for that, prepare for that. If it's your first time here, we don't expect you to give uh, in this offering. This is something that we've committed to do, who are members of One Chapel, to facilitate the work of God and what He's doing in people's lives. And, and it's a way that we say we love you because we believe this is worship. This is how we worship God, is by giving 10% of our tithes and offer, 10% of our tithes, everything that we, um, everything that we make, wow. <laughs> First it was too quiet, now it's too loud. Okay, so are you with me? <laughs> okay, sorry, it's a lot louder up here than it is back there, I guess. Okay, so I want you to stand up with me and let's pray over our offering. And, um, and here's the thing I want to tell you. Everybody, every one of you that, um, that made a commitment to Christ this morning, everybody that made a, a, a renewed commitment, I, want, I would love it if you would give me a, a card, one of those cards in your worship guide, and you would fill that out, and then you would just mark on the box that, um, that you made that commitment. Tell me what Jesus did in your life, because then uh, I can help you with next steps. I can help you with what's coming next. So would you just mark that on your card and drop it in the offering right here? Take time to do that right now. And then, and, and then I'd love to see those of you uh, who are brand new out by the lobby, uh, by the tables out there. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your kindness, your gifts. Lord, everything you've given to us, we don't give to pay you back. There's nothing we could give that would actually pay you back for all you've given us. We give because we love you. We give because we worship you. We give because we honor you and we want you to to, to work your will and to work your plan to expand your kingdom through one chapel and through others in this city. We thank you for this and we invest in this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord together as we...